Welcome to the Oh My God podcast, season two, with your co-hosts, Zelda Lebowitz and Hannah Rachel Cohen Portnoy. In season one, the podcast aimed to talk about success in the face of failure, modern Judaism, and real life. Season two will deliver the same message, but even more potently. Zelda and Hannah Rachel have individually and collectively been challenged by the Jewish system they grew up in. Through their evolution, through their questions, failures, mistakes, and heartbreaks, they've begun to untangle much of what was keeping them in survival mode so they could truly be set free to thrive. This is what they'll dissect each week with you, the Jewish journey, real, raw, and vulnerable. Because that is the only thing that can truly change lives and maybe even save them. You're only one episode away from being more honest with yourself. Everything in life is a choice. Whether you feel empowered to make a decision is a different question. Today's guest is here to speak with us about life's choices, even the ones that feel like there is absolutely no space for choice at all, like motherhood or marriage. Rav Daniel Katz is a rabbi, mystic, powerful thought leader, and meditator. He's here to talk with us about some of the biggest questions we as individuals are likely asking ourselves all the time. Divorce, parenthood, faith, individuality, chronic illness, nothing is off limits in this conversation. So tune in, buckle up, and get ready to dive in deep. So excited to bring you Rav Daniel Katz. Shalom, shalom. Shalom. Oh, hello, Rav Katz. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Thank you so much. How's everyone doing today? Thank God. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot to us, and we're really so grateful. The joy. Wonderful. Wonderful. How many podcasts have you done now? Um, so we're in season two now. We're on, we released the seventh episode of season two. In season one, we had 23 episodes. So we did quite a few. We've been recording. And, nice. uh, we recorded like a lot. Yeah, we We've recorded yeah. a lot for season two, but we're releasing you them stop slowly. Piling. Stop yeah, piling. yeah, exactly. I yeah, learned. I learned the hard. I learned the hard way for that. I learned the hard way. That What's the hard way? That that I shouldn't just rely on you know my motivation every week to release another every one week. and, go, and right. go because it doesn't. You know, some weeks are just way harder, and the way we could just knock them out a few times when when our fire is on. You know, that's, that's how to that's do things I'm... in life. You channel your passion. That's usually the best way. When the energy's up, you make the most of it. So yeah. that's how to do it. And who's the target audience exactly? Do you, can you say that clearly or it's just whoever listens? Um, well, we, we do have a, a wide range of listeners, but I would say majority are women, uh, mothers, and women who are trying to, I would say, connect to their purpose a little bit more than just inside the home and a little bit, you know, I find that a lot of the women that listen to, to me in general, but also within our podcast specifically are women who are trying to connect to something that they feel is really what brought them here. And a lot of us feel like we sort of got into, you know, the home life and the child life and the family life more from a place of checking a box. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. And maybe not so much of, what we feel like alive at and really trying to align those two parts. Have you spoken that explicitly about things? Have you ever addressed that straight up? 
I mean, I've, I've always, I feel like I'm always sort of talking about that. Maybe not as explicitly as I just said it right now. But when you ask <laughs> that question, should. that's what came right. to mind. It's definitely a conversation. <laughs> Women and men in general, people that are looking to be inspired. And we talk about real life challenges and we talk about connecting to Hashem. And I think ultimately how our divine purpose is like flowing through us. And a lot of, I mean, everything, everything's a message from Hashem. And a lot of our challenges and experiences that we go through are actually a gift. Everything's a gift. Everything's good. But to, to, to notice it, to be aware of it, to be attuned to it. So I think really what we're trying to bring light to is that everything that we experience in our daily life is actually a gift from Hashem. It's actually good. And we're trying to spread that message, whether it's hard, life is even hard. Even though it feels... Yeah, even though it doesn't feel good at all sometimes, and trying to yeah, I noticed that too. I noticed that too. There's there's a lady I was speaking with this week who contacted me, and she said she's got a lot of pain and a lot of trauma. She's going through a lot in her marriage. She's the daughter of a rabbi. She's in a difficult community. She's very down on herself, upset with her life. But one of the things she said is she wished that she wasn't thrown into marriage and told to have children so early because she really resents the burden of that now. She doesn't know herself now. She doesn't know her connection to Torah and mitzvahs now. She's the, the, the wife of a rabbi, the daughter of a rabbi. And she really wished that she, she had a chance to, to you know, question some of those things before you know, she said she was forced into it. Whether she was forced, whether she wasn't, you know, there's a discussion. I mean, this is an intelligent woman. I think she has some kind of, um, she has some college degree and she has, you know, she's, I can't remember if she's a, a lawyer or something to that effect. Um, she's not a typical stay at home mom, but right. you know, it's one of these deep discussions, not just about Torah and mitzvahs about we're thrown into this. So we do it. It's meaningful. It's not meaningful, which is a discussion. You know, I have a lot with different kind of people, different kind of podcasts. There's a particular thing about a woman's journey and whether she felt that she chose that. It's one thing to say, I don't know if I connect to putting on to fill in. It's not another thing to say, I don't know if I connect to be a mother and I have two children, I have to take responsibility all the time. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can yeah. even say to a man, just just don't put on to fill in today, but you can't really say that to a mother, as you understand. So I'm, I'm just, when, when you said that particularly about women, I was just thinking of that conversation. I was like, you should speak really exactly to that point. If you haven't said that explicitly, you know, these kind of points right. really need to be addressed. I love this because it, it's so important. And I think that if there is a common thread between all our listeners, it is that it's the responsibility and really the, the power within the job that we have at home, but really feeling disempowered by it many times because not feeling like we chose it necessarily. And what do you do with that? The fact is they're your children. The fact is you're at home and you're a mom. And you know, what I do myself is learning that even, even that, I think are not a choice. I still have a choice right. and, and um, leaning into that choice and choosing it is, is with my say. power. And also if, perspective. If you didn't choose it. You, well. Also perspective, meaning like recognizing that we have a choice and then allowing ourselves this opportunity to transform our perspective so that in a certain moment or even in, for a long period of time, we may see it as one thing, a burden, a responsibility we don't want. But then if we sort of shift the way we view being a mother, shift the way we view our relationship with our children, or even the way we see our children, you know, uh, everything can change. I remember I first got divorced like 11 years ago and I started with this therapist and I was a young, I got married very young. I got divorced seven, eight years later. 
a very young and I had three children. And I remember being like, this is overwhelming. This is really hard. And and my therapist was telling me, like, you should love your children like you love buying an expensive pair of shoes. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, Yikes. I should. That's, that's the, probably the worst thing to say, right? You know? and just, it's, like, it's like saying to a depressed person, cheer up and be happy, right? It's just yeah, demanding something. Yeah, but what was interesting is that she took a back. She's like, if I, if I could take away your kids from you and you could have all the time in the world. And then we built up from that place. Till yeah. I was like really acknowledging how much I love them and care for them and care about them. And um, I mean, I love my kids. They're amazing, amazing, amazing kids. And it, having children is the biggest blessing, really, really a big blessing. Um, so, but yeah, it is. There are a lot of times where we feel like, whoa, disempowered by our choices. Yeah. So, so, right. Share with us a little bit about the journey of who you are, how you got to where you are today. Fine. I just want to say back on what you said before for a second is that when we feel that we're burdened by something that we didn't choose, we have we only have two options. I mean, we have three options. One is just to say that we're victims and to go through life in victim consciousness, right? And and see how far that gets you. And it gets a lot of people through, you know, 120 years and they feel the more they embrace their victimhood, the happier they'll be. And of course, that's ridiculous. So after just embracing, doubling down on victimhood, you have two options. One is to unchoose it. If you're doing something you don't like to do, don't do it, right? And you really are empowered to, to, to most of the time to make that choice. And if you say, well, this is a situation I don't have a choice in. I have these two children. I'm not going to, God forbid, disown them, right? So then, then you can re-choose it. You can consciously choose it. You can choose it with intention. And, and I think that that's exactly what, what you were just saying right now. But I, I think that people that have done that some area in their life, they know how revolutionary that is. They know how unbelievably empowering it feels. Um, they know how miraculous it is that something that was a burden before can be celebrated a moment later. And it really can be that simple when you find that switch and do it. Um, so, so you can either unchoose it. Sometimes there are things you can walk away. If you're in a relationship and you're not married, it's bad and unhealthy, then you can, just because you have momentum, it doesn't mean the momentum should define you, right? You always have consciousness. You always have choice. But, but you can re-choose something. So your choices are basically victimhood. And assuming you're smart enough and sensitive enough and empowered enough to know that's not really choose for you, then you have two choices is to unchoose it or re-choose it. Yeah. And, and when a person knows that the mind has that power and how powerful that can be, then, then that's the most extraordinary thing a person can do in their lives. And that involves realizing that, that life is created at every moment, that the biggest burdens we have is, is usually how we're interpreting something, as you've said, right? It's realizing if you believe in a shame and if you believe in a shkaka, um, you know, providence. And if you don't, we like to say in the, 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 new, the new age world that the universe has given us these opportunities or, right? So whatever terminology you're comfortable with, you know, at, at the end of the day, whether you believe in Ashkak and providence or not, psychologically, the best tool is to realize that I am greater than the challenges I am facing and how I face my challenges determines my state and my destiny. Mm. And, you know, that's the most empowering gift you can give someone is, is that realization, which, which I, I'm, is exactly the points wow. that we're all speaking to. Yeah. Rechoosing it is, is very powerful. And sometimes we're just too addicted to the victimhood mm. and so unfamiliar to be empowered. That is the darkest force in the world. 
I've realized as I am old, I have a gray hair, so we're here to prove it. There they are. <laughs> but really the darkest force that we face in our life is that we, we prefer to double down on victimhood. You know, we all share Facebook posts about self-empowerment, but the, the truth is we, we, we undo our self-empowerment because we much more likely feel that if I am a victim, if I identify as a victim, I will get more attention and more love that way. But we don't re realize that we end up consuming ourselves and undermining ourselves. So to get a person to step out of that, to realize they have power, we all wanna say we're empowered and we don't wanna say we're victims. But the truth is, subliminal, subliminally, we, we take the victim path. And that's, that's the difference between to, greatness and pain. Yeah, people are very addicted to self-pity, you know, and to, to being a victim. We're, it's, it's an but the question is why? Because we get attention that way? Because we're used to that the, the underdog gets attention? What's the reason? Why, why are we so addicted to it? Well, let's meditate on that for a second. You know, I've been dealing with chronic illness for three years. I don't know if I should talk about it publicly or not. And there's like really intense moments where I've kind of like blown up all, it's blown up every dimension of my life and every, all my life's work. And there's a thousand times where I want to double down on victimhood and woe is I, and I've lost everything. And, and wrestling out of that and finding, you know, a different way out of that thought cycle every day. And like the question that you're asking Zelda is so key, like what's the payoff of being a victim? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's lots of levels to that. First of all, there's like, the call of injustice, this is so unfair, in some way lets us feel that we're aligning ourselves with justice. You know, it's somewhere it's like, we know what's fair and we know what's true and we know what should be in the world. So in some ways it's quite empowering to say, I know what's fair and I know what's right and this isn't fair and this isn't right. So in some way we're kind of siding with the side of justice by calling out injustice in our, to our own lives and our own selves. In other senses, because it, it, it's feeding into, it's, it's a voice that comes from our darkness. And it, it's, there's something really disempowering about it, which we celebrate. I don't know if I can express that right. But it's a feeling of, it's easier to cave and say I'm a victim. Right. It, it takes less energy. Yeah. It's, it's an easier narrative rather than to say I'm willing to stand up and choose it. It, it takes more consciousness more willpower. And if you have a good day when you stand up and really choose it, then the next day you collapse and, and like it's easy to go back to the old narrative. So yes. we're always hardwired into the animal soul. We're hardwired with the ego identity. And and divine consciousness, we, we have to, you know, we have work. to work against yeah. our animal nature. And I think the default set is to come back into woe as I am abandoned, I am alone. Why have everyone turned against me? Why has Hashem turned against me? Am I unworthy? Did I do something wrong? Am I not good enough? All hope is lost because in some ways it's easier. Wow. It's easier. Sadly, it's easier. No, I just what kind of came to mind was like, you know, they say if like everyone saw the divine and everything, like there would be less, like there's so much enjoyment for Hashem that we have to work to have a relationship with him, that we have to like uncover and dig deep to like, find that connection, you know? It's almost like if our default setting was like, la-di-da, everything's perfect, life is so great, and everyone would kind of be the same, like, where would the beauty be in the work, you know? And in, in for, even for Hashem, like, ultimately. So I think that, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, our default is definitely to be comfortable with that, like, woe to me narrative. 
And I yeah. think that breaking that is like brings Hashem so much pleasure and ultimately really gives us an opportunity of being even more powerful than we could have ever been had we all been good all the time. Right. right. I would say For even sure. even more to that is like, I feel like when I'm really stepping in to the challenge, when I'm really stepping into a, a, a higher level than I was before, like when I'm really doing way more and feeling more connected and feeling... I feel like if I don't catch a break. I feel like I'm just, I'm just entering a new realm of greater exhaustion or greater, you know, and then I'm like, wait, how do I know that I'm actually on the right path? And so then I start having even greater doubts. And then I know that it's, it's really, you know, the work and I have to step right back in and I can't allow myself to sit in this pool of, trigger and anxiety and fear but honestly like right now and in, in my life right now i feel like i've you know just looking back from a year ago to now so much of my life is so much more aligned with hashem and torah and mitzvahs and yet i feel like last year when i was living on the beach you know like all i had to do was just worry about how i got my kids to school and swim and then today when i'm you know creating classes and and really feeling connected to my neshama. And I'm like, whoa, I, ha I haven't gotten this triggered in, in so long. Like, what is going on? And mm. sometimes it really confuses me. What, what would you say to yourself if you could speak to the, the you getting a divorce, you know, the you in the thick of the darkness? What would you say to yourself with the clarity you have now or, or what you've learned now then? I know a so woman right what now who's like right in that situation and she's unable apparently, you know, by her own definition to hear the guidance, to hear the insight. Right. What would you, what do you think would go in? What I would say to, to me then would be like, don't get tempted or distracted by all the apparent glory, like all the apparent easy, fiery love, like love. not to say that being uh, living a life of faith and living a life of Hashem and living a life with divine union with my husband, not to say that, that, that it's hot, that it's all hard, but to say that I really allowed myself. I really like, honestly, this is a question that I battle with because there was so much like, like light and, and glory and fun and adventure in my old self that sometimes feels like it was easy. But then now I almost feel like, I was so distracted to feel like that was the truth when I know that it's not. I know it because I feel it and I I just know it. And to say maybe now I'm I'm sort of like working it out, like everything that I've done over there and and it's it's bringing me all of this new awareness and that's hard and that's hard for my soul and it's you know maybe maybe that's what's going on like I'm shifting everything I'm undoing everything that I did then. I don't know, but it's it's definitely very tough. I would say just to answer your question, Rabbi Jacobson, I had spoken to Huawei Jacobson when I first got separated to be divorced. And I thought I was going to go and hear some kind of like great, um, like mind altering, life altering advice. And he looked at me and he said, the only thing I'm going to say to you is I know that like a, a ton of bricks just fell on you. Your whole life is changing. Take care of yourself. Eat healthy. 
exercise <laughs> and be compassionate to yourself. And I was like, I, I just want more advice. You know, like I wanted to hear more because I'm like an action oriented person. Like I want to change. I wanted. And he's like, just take care of yourself. And at the time I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the advice that you're giving me. Eat healthy that's and it, exercise. It, right. But with time, I found that to be the most empowering and powerful words of advice because there's nothing to tell somebody when they're on the brink of divorce after hearing that their whole life came crashing down. There's really only support in supporting it to support ourselves to and to be supported by others, to allow ourselves to be supported by others. So yeah, eating healthy, you know, gives our mind and our body a sense of like clarity. Exercise releases endorphins and gives our body a feel good experience, you know, and surround ourselves with good friends, surround, you know, surround, surround ourselves with good support. Like those are things that are very important for just getting divorced. Um, and I think that ultimately that really will enable a person to like find themselves. Sure. I also think the roots the underlying root of, of that piece of advice is really the mechanism of self-compassion. Mm. Um, and in our darkest moments, when things are happening to us, so much of it feels to us like, well, it's about the thing that's happening to us. I'm getting divorced. My husband and I are separating, but you know, or I've got chronic illness and, and the issue is the pain or the illness or my job or my career or my family, right? But so much of the core of that issue is self-judgment. Yeah. Right? So much of divorce, hey, it's obviously loss of love and loss of the dream and there I am under the hoop and that, right? And it's also, am I broken and am I unlovable and will I be abandoned forever and did I blow it and is there more I could have done and how did I get into the first place? So, so much of our issues at the root are self-judgment oh. and, you know, even though, you know, what he said seems to be external, obviously you're saying it wasn't, right? It's, it's really the core of look at yourself and be patient with yourself and take care of yourself and nurture yeah. yourself. And that goes, that goes to a much deeper core of how am I seeing all my pain? Am I patient with my process? You know, divorce demands a time of mourning and mourning demands a very deep kind of sense of self-acceptance that here I am right now is stuck. I'm really stuck in darkness. But the statement, this is okay and this is where I need to be you know, allows you to be there and do the work without just the harrowing darkness of the self-criticism of failure and failure of abandonment of abandonment that we we add to it. You know, the, the old line that, you know, pain is not is is not optional in life, but suffering is. And I think a lot of the suffering is caused by self-judgment. You know, as, as I'm lying sick in bed every day going through my own process, there's a lot of kind of voices like, you know, I'm no longer rabbi, I'm no longer a good husband, I'm no longer a good father, all those dreams are gone. And, you know, that's like crushing. And really, to some degree, that's crushing more than the challenges, which is lots of people who'd love to be lying in bed right now. Great, I'm lying in bed right now. And it, it's, it sounds silly to say, but it's a very, very deep thing that goes to the core. Self-acceptance comes from the middle of, of Rachamim, you know, compassion. Um, and we know, according to Kabbalah, that the highest level of the Sfirat is, is Keta, and Keta is the root of all compassion. So when we awaken compassion on ourselves, we're actually aligning ourselves with the highest energetic energy of the divine, who has compassion in all of the world. So it's a very, very deep 
tick on an energetic adjustment. When, when we're in victimhood, I am in darkness. I'm always in darkness. I have no light, no energy, no flow, and no hope. I'm aligning with the symptom. I'm aligning energetically with the, the vast emptiness at the creation of the world. And when I move into compassion, even on, upon myself, I'm aligning with, with, with a flow that looks down into the darkness and says, there is good here, there is blessing here. You know, the Hebrew word for compassion, rachamim, comes from the root rechem, which means a womb. When I look at the darkness or the, the emptiness, I actually see a womb that can give birth wow. to something new, to a whole new potential wow. and hope and possibility. So, so it's, wow. a, it's a very important thing. Remember, Rabbi Nachman says this amazing line that to love Hashem, you have to first love yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and many, many women that are struggling, you know, that I speak with post-divorce or, or post-trauma or these kind of losses, you know, and they have questions on their faith and they have questions on Hashem. Where was Hashem in that struggle? I always, always see, not just because it's the line that Rabbi Nachman says, but I always, always see that, that, that they don't have compassion on themselves. They're, they're judging themselves, their heart and the situation. Um, and, and when you can teach them to love and accept themselves, then you can teach them to love and accept the moment. When you can teach them to love and ex ex accept the moment, then they can see Hashem in it. And when they can see Hashem in it, then they can rebuild their faith. Not because a rabbi gave them a nice Tafar Torah, <laughs> right? It's because that becomes intrinsic, because even in that darkness, they can experience Hashem. And then then they find their, their truth. That when, Where you find yourself is where you find Hashem at the same time. That's wow. the point I've been trying to say. That's amazing. That's really incredible. Because even like now that I'm thinking about like, in terms of my transition from living this like carefree, YOLO adventure life where there were no repercussions and there's no, you know, no one that really cares about what I'm doing here. Like if I'm swimming on Chavez, if I'm eating kosher, like there's no system. Like I removed myself from the reality of, right. of truth to to the place here where I'm like, I'm doing all of this and yet I'm not getting anything for it. It's almost like the same thing where it's like, I need to do something to get a reward where the thing itself is not the reward. Where just me sitting with my feelings, just me sitting in this moment, in my confusion, in my anger, in my resentment, in my anxiety, maybe if I just allow it to be and not expect, oh, this has to bring some reward, maybe that is the reward. Being having self compassion for myself with my feelings, which is what, yeah. you, what you said, loving myself is how I would get to loving and understanding Hashem. Yeah, like we, you were saying, both saying just before, this idea that it gives Hashem joy when we can find light in the darkness. So, in, in a bad religious kind of model, it's like, fine, I'm going to suffer to give God joy because God gets happy from my misery. But I, I think there's a very deep, you know, Kabbalistic principle which is that which gives Hashem joy is really that which is giving you joy right and, and when we overcome the darkness and find the revelation even in the concealments then that's not just giving Hashem joy there's no greater internal feeling of simcha than beginning to confront challenge and be able to turn around for good you know if you ask anyone you know I'll let you do anything you want in the world for the most pleasure for the most joy right so think of our mind would be filled of all kind of things you know, we would choose to spend money, to buy stuff, to go cool places. Now, when you ask a person on their deathbed, what are the most, you know, powerful, beautiful, joyful moments of their life? They're rarely going to say sitting on the beach, you know, in Hawaii with my pina colada. 
they're often going to talk about their children or taking their children to the chuppah or, or all these kind of things, you know, overcoming tremendous challenge and darkness, you know, overcoming incredible odds, you know, finding resourcefulness and resilience and light and possibility where there just seem to be none at all. And, and the truth is, therefore, it's, it's, it's transmuting the darkness and, and turning it back to the light, which gives Hashem joy. But the truth is, that's what gives us joy as well. So, you know, it's the, the old line, which is the difference between pleasure and joy. You know, pleasure can be hanging out at the beach. Pleasure can be that lifestyle. You get there's lots of pleasure in the external world and the pursuit of pleasure. But, but joy is, is a much deeper holistic resonance at the core of our being. Um, and to be able to fight our way out of darkness with our own power and choice, with divine blessing, gives Hashem joy, but it gives us joy. And the alignment of the two is the most powerful force in the world. Wow. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. What, what, would you, what could you leave our listeners with that, that could help them, you know, like I know that you you are someone that really leans into your challenges and and you you struggle a lot and and you know it's, it's sometimes like I feel like this myth that people like to believe that when you know everything or you believe everything or you are um you know aligning your your daily life and, and your faith and it's all one it's like you don't you don't struggle it's like you dance with Hashem and it's it's not the case we're here in, in this physical body and we're we we are Cre- not created to struggle, but we 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 are created to 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 have human challenges, you know. But but what are we supposed to like? Sometimes it feels like it's too much, and sometimes it feels like if I'm just talking for myself. Sometimes it feels like I'm failing more than I am succeeding in connecting to my higher purpose and connecting to um, my my divine mission and. And I'll ask on behalf of myself, but on behalf of anyone else who connects to this question, what, 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 what strategy or what, what can you um, guide us into, into stepping into our divine power when, when we don't feel strong? Mm. Yeah, I feel the question. First and foremost, there's no one in this world that doesn't struggle. And our sages, in fact, teach that the greater the person, the greater the struggle. And that's why I struggle so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, first of all, the, the truth is that the greater the person, you struggle better. You're better at the struggle, right? The struggle doesn't overwhelm you. And you, you, you have the tools, you have the resources, you ha- have the state of how to deal with it. It's like, imagine training in martial arts and being a black belt. And then you get into a fight and you say, well, man, when I was a white belt, you'd get into a fight. Now I'm a black belt. I didn't think I was going to get into a fight. No one would say that. You'd say, now that I'm a black belt, I'm getting in a fight, but I'm going to dominate that fight. And I know how to win the fight. Right? Yes, and yeah. I know the moves to play. Right. So, so becoming a tzaddik or a tzaddikist, becoming a spiritual master is not the idea that I'm going to avoid the fight. It's going to be, I'm much going to be much more skillful and have much more mastery in the fight. So another way I think about the challenges that I face today in my life, not more or worse than anybody else, just we all have challenges. So I'm sure they would have crushed me when I was 12 years old. I think about the things I used to cry over when I was 12 years old or 25 years old for that matter. So I, I really feel awesome. I feel awesome. And it's okay to feel awesome. How much 
handle how much I can handle today. How much is going on with my family, with my home, with the health, with the, with the, with the, you know, the stuff that I do in the world, how many challenges you could face. And it's difficult, but it's not, it's not sinking the boat. And, and there's, I really, really feel like any craftsman, craftswoman, any master of a skill that there's literally resources and skill sets and philosophies and axioms and, and friends and mentors and, and wisdom that you draw on that keeps you in the right place, that keeps you. And you see that, you see that in real time. And that's success. Success is now that I have a black belt, not that I'm not in a fight, but it's like I've won 20 out of 20 fights or 19 out of 20 fights or 10 out of 20 fights. That's better than the average person, right? And the ones that I lost, so I became smarter from and wiser from because I, I reviewed the video. I, I did the cheshbon and nefesh and I saw, okay, when I ducked, when I should have turned, I turned when I should have punched and now I'm learning, right? So when you get in that kind of growth skill set mentality, that's the Amuna mentality. Remember the word Uman, Amuna, Uman actually comes from the word that means a craftsman, to develop a craft. It's literally the word faith means to develop a craft. It means to develop, that's the word for an artist, a craftsperson is, a, is an Uman. It's a very amazing thing because faith is a craft that we have to develop. And if you ask me what the craft is, I really feel with all my heart the craft is developing consciousness. It's meditation and, it, and it's inner emotional transformation. Um, you know, I had a breakthrough after, I'll talk very open and honestly with you, after three years of being like just wrecked and sick all the time, and I'm still in this right now, I'm doing like really turning myself inside out with every technique, any process, every meditational skill set I could learn and doing it back and forward. You know, th there's a point when I tried spent tens of thousands of dollars on every medicine and healing mechanism and nothing's worked and nothing's helped. And there's a point when I'm such a go-getter, I'm so like a Taipei person, find another healer, another possibility, another technique, what else haven't I done, right? And I'm like, I've really done everything. And, and there's a point when you have to go, well, maybe I just have to accept the situation. Maybe there's nothing I can change. Now, there's a dark side of that, which is a kind of despair and a bitterness, but there's also, I just have to find the joy in this, and, and the line is acceptance. So I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago, and I've worked really hard in acceptance, um, begrudgingly, not at all for the first two years, and then begrudgingly for six months after, and then trying to find real peace with, what if I'm like this for 10 years? What an awful thing to say, but what if I've closed down, this is, this is where we're going, could well be. So. I worked really hard on acceptance and I, and I had it down. I was speaking with a friend, talking about acceptance. And, uh, you know, she said to me, I don't think you've really accepted it. She said, I can hear part of you is talking a language of acceptance and part of it's talking about bitterness and frustration and fighting back. And I said, no, 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 I'm, 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 you know, I had to prove how much I worked on acceptance and all my devotos and acceptance and all my meditation acceptance. And she said, do, do, do me and yourself a favor. She said, sit down and just journal. Journal half an hour in acceptance. So begrudgingly, I did that. And at the end of half an hour, I was like wrecked. I was like, I have no idea what the word acceptance even means. I, I really, what is this thing I'm supposed to do? Because I get that I can't keep pushing back and make myself healthy where I clearly have no control, being I'm not a failure at getting any traction at all, and I'm equally sick, right? So, so I get that I'm not, but no sane person can say I'm giving up all my life and all my family and all the influence I can have in the world. I'm just going to lie and do nothing. That, that, that's, not, that's not sane. So every time I say to myself or to my wife, okay, I'm going to be sick for the next 10 years. There's nothing more I can do. The organization's finished. Then that crashes me. But every time I say I'm going to find a way to get better, I'm going to find a way to turn this around, that also crashes me because I clearly have no ability to control that. 
So then what are you left to think? Mm. What are you left to think? Now that I'm now that I'm I'm divorced, I'm either gonna die alone and be miserable and have all the burdens of kids and no money and no help, crash. No, I'm gonna find a perfect guy and I'm gonna turn it all around and I'm gonna make it all perfect. And what if you can't? What if you got out with a guy and he's not perfect? What if you got out with another guy's table? What if you're dating for five, ten years and you can't find anyone? I have to find someone, I have to find someone, I'm never gonna find anyone. I have to find someone now, I'm never gonna find anyone. So what I found is, and it's the oldest trick in the book, and there's a whole technique I've kind of taught myself in the last few weeks. But the answer is don't think forward at all. Everything's going to turn around for the good, which you don't know. Everything's going to crash and be a disaster, which you don't know. The only place Hashem lives is right now in the moment. The only power we have to connect to Hashem is fully with all our heart right now. And if I can't connect to Hashem fully and all my heart right now, then the possibilities of the future collapse. And there's a goodness and a peace in the moment. If you listen to David Amela talking to Hashem and to heal him about my enemies, about my challenges, all he says a thousand times over is let me take shelter in you right now. Let me feel your wings of protection right now. Let me be with you. Let me shelter in you, right? May all my enemies fall eventually and may the blessings come, right? It's all about that's happening externally, but he's strengthening his connection now. And what I realized in the last few weeks while learning to do that meditation deeper than I've ever done it before is I'm ba I've banned myself from talking about the future, not just negatively, but also positively, right? I'm not going to fight around and turn around and overcome because that line is a faith of imagination rather than a faith of connection. A faith of connection, I don't need to just say, I'm going to do this in the future because I'm with Hashem, there's light and blessing, and that's all I know right now. And, and the, the hope for the transformation, the milk of the future, crashes me as equally as the despair about the future. So I've banned myself from thinking about either. And, and just kind of every time I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I'm sick today. Oh no, I have to call off that podcast. Oh, do I have one meeting, I have to cancel that as well. So I just kind of go into Hashem, just let me shelter within you. You are with me right now, even in the pain. And there's tremendous power in that. There's tremendous healing in that. There's tremendous light and salvation and blessing and compassion and release in, in, in doing that alone. I, I think part of the thing the religious world needs to know that faith is not an intellectual belief. You know, it's, it's a resourcing, it's a resource state to reconnect to our source in that direct experience outside space and time. And, and when you do that, then the relationship is real with Hashem now. When the relationship is real now, what's going to come is going to come. And no, no matter what comes, you'll be wow. good with it. Wow, thank you and, so and much. that's the core wow. I'm working on. And, and I feel that's where I think we that's, need to go. Wow, that's so powerful. And I think, it, I don't know, just connected me to a thought of like, what is redemption? What is Mashiach? It's, why is it, why are we able to access potentially that frequency right now? It's because it's not somewhere in the future. Sometimes we're just so in fantasy land. When Mashiach comes, everything's going to be better. But we have that potential to connect to that eternal moment, which is when we align ourselves with that shelter, yeah. like you're talking about, which is where everything is okay because whatever is, is, and Hashem is here, and I'm with Hashem. And if it means that I'm sick, if it means that I lose my money, if it means that, you know, people are making fun of me, whatever it is, it's 
I'm with Hashem, and that's the ultimate reduction from all of our our Zelda. Maybe that's why they say Mashiach now, because you have to go into the now to bring Mashiach. Exactly. Wow. That's wow. good. Thank you so much for joining us. This is very You're special. You're welcome. Thank very you amazing. so much. This was so powerful. For for me, on a Amen. Yeah. Keep shining the light, my friends. Keep inspiring Amen. women and people everywhere. I look for the wonderful Thank you. Have a great night. Amen. Thank you so much. Oh. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Oh My God podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform so you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews. If this episode spoke to you, please share it with someone you believe would love it just as much as you did and rate the podcast five stars so we can continue to make content like this for you. Do you have a question, suggestion, or interview request? Shoot us an email to omgpod at gmail.com. That's omgpod spelled O-H. E-M-G-E-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. We're so excited to hear what you think and cannot wait for you to tune in next week. Until then, shalom.